Hello, and welcome to the Digital Workspace Works podcast. I'm Ryan Purvis, your host, supported by our producer, Heather Bicknell. In this series, you'll hear stories and opinions from experts in the field, stories from the front lines, the problems they face and how they solve them, the areas they're focused on from technology, people and processes, to the approaches they took that will help you to get to the scripts for the Digital Workspace inner workings. Welcome, John Hewler, to the Digital Workspace Works podcast. Do you want to give everyone a bit of an introduction to yourself, please? Thanks, Ryan, and it's and it's great to be here. So, as Ryan said, my, my name is John Hewler. Um, I've been very fortunate to have been in the, the mobile and technology space for almost 20 years now, it's pretty much since we, Ryan and I left university, actually, uh, many, many years ago. Um, and, and I've focused predominantly on, on mobile and working with mobile operators across the African continent. So I've been very fortunate to have traveled to 23 countries across the continent, um, deploying value-added services, pricing products, fintech solutions with with mobile operators um, across the continent. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned university. You know what I thought of yesterday? That catch that I dropped in that game we were playing um, cricket uh, against, I can't remember who it was. We played for four and a half, but I can't remember playing against. But I'll, I've, I always forget, always remember that. <laughs> you went off, and and, and 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 for your for your listeners, what Ryan won't tell you is Ryan was a very gifted baseball player, pitcher, if I remember correctly, and I didn't know that. And Ryan dropped my catch, and I proceeded to to use the most profound language to describe my disappointments. To which Ryan picked up the ball and threw it straight back at me. <laughs> I, kept, I kept my mouth quiet after that. <laughs> And so, so began our friendship. Exactly, exactly. Which must be close on oh, 20 years, 20, 21 years now. It is oh. so, yeah. Frightening. Crazy, it catches up with us all, huh? It does, so does my receding hairline. <laughs> so. So, so the reason why I wanted to have you on is is you've led the charge for me into the Apple economy, um, not the ecosystem because it's a, it's an expensive business, being a being a member of the the Apple world, um, and I thought maybe good for for people to hear how you've operated in this this world and and how you been operating your day to day activities. No, it sounds it sounds good. So it's it's always a very interesting debate, you know. It's the am I an iPhone or an Android user? Am I a PC or, or am I a Mac? And and I and I truly think any any ecosystem that you play in or economy as you put it out is is fit for purpose. It's mm-hmm. based on what you are doing and what works best in terms of the delivery of the work that anyone is doing. Okay, um, I, I've I've had to work in both environments um, over the last twenty years. I've eventually come to the decision that for me, that the Apple ecosystem works for me. Mm. And, and, it, and every and every year it gets better because I think what's happening is that more and more vendors that are out there are developing more and more Apple products. So, so for example, I'm a I'm a very I'm a I count myself as a as a power uh, Microsoft Office user in particular Word and, and PowerPoint, and and the the Mac equivalents are good. They will never be the PC equivalents. It's almost like there's a version ahead. Mm. <laughs> On, on that still works really, really well. Now you incorporate the world of Teams, for example, in OneDrive, works just as well on a Mac than it does on a PC. That divide, which was there four or five years ago and older, is not there anymore. The mm. bridge between able to work in the ecosystems is a lot closer now. So yep. I think 
this ability to do that is one thing. But the second thing I think is organizations, obviously, and Ryan, you will know this from your own experience, setting IT policies and that with, with big organizations. You know, IT policies are some of the most rigid policies that you will get, and rightfully so. In yeah. the sense of, of, of cybersecurity and, and trying to protect organizations from, from cybersecurity breaches, you've got to try to plug the holes as much as possible. Yeah. But I'm finding now, in my own experience, and I'm not a cyber expert experience by any stretch of the imagination, is Apple's always been very comfortable in their, their approach. Their ecosystem is quite tight. So because now you're getting this, this building on top of each, each platform, organizations saying you don't have to have a Windows PC to be able to, to, to operate within my organization. Mm-hmm. You're actually comfortable, and in some cases advocate, that Macs and the Mac environment can come into our organization because we've got knowledge workers that are doing specific types of work that will get better productivity if they're on that particular piece of equipment. No, you're spot on. And actually, to your point about about, about the, the sort of Windows and, and um, non-Windows environments getting closer together app-wise, I mean, I was I got to do some SQL work yesterday, and I was like, oh, you know, I need to find an app for that or for my Mac. Mm-hmm. But Microsoft now builds an app. It's it's Azure Data Studio, which works on both. So, you know, you don't have to go and find a big third party anymore. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, there was some that were going to charge me ridiculous amounts of money, 100 pounds a year or something. Mm-hmm. But Microsoft has provided that app. Mm-hmm. Um, the, and, 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 and the other thing you mentioned around the policies, the one challenge we, we had previously with Mac is is putting down policies on it because it was such a different beast to to the Windows environment. You know, Windows, you have a lot more control, et cetera. But I, but I found now that I've switched over that almost a lot of those things that I would need to put policies in for, um, I don't have to because most of those things are built into the to the Mac world anyway. Yeah. So, so, so it, you know, in some senses, and there was a study, um, I got to see if I can find it, I think it was IBM that did it. And they said the costs of managing or, or maintaining a desktop environment based on Windows versus Mac mm-hmm. was three or four times more expensive Yeah. because of the flexibility. You know, you know it's going to be interesting. And I, and I want to touch on a point before I go to my next point. You know, a lot of the stuff now, and we'll talk about this, I think, a little bit later on in this, in this, in this chat. Yeah. All the work we're doing is up in the clouds now. It's not necessarily yep. sitting on local machine now. And I think that that has changed the way, and in particular for me, and I'll talk about my experiences of of I'm I'm even I'm not even beholden to 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 the Apple environments. I'm beholden to my browser. Yeah. Nine times out of ten, the majority of my work is goes goes to the browser. I just I just want to make a side point on the PC versus Mac environment. Apple always had this, I'm gonna say this elitist status thing mm-hmm. for a lot more expensive, and don't get me wrong, a brand new MacBook Pro 16-inch will set you back a, a small fortune. There's no disputing that. But what, what Apple has done really well, and in particular with the, the launch of their, of their new M1 chipset with, with the, the MacBooks, which is what you and I are both using now and where our conversation came from. Yeah, it's all your fault that I bought, it, bought yeah. two. <laughs> Not one, but two. Yeah. Once you go Mac, you don't go back. Eh? Yeah. The price point is a lot more competitive now. So if you had to weigh up the entry-level MacBook Air right now with an M1 chip in South Africa, obviously this is, I'm speaking in the South African context, it's actually five or 6,000 Rand cheaper than the equivalent Microsoft Surface, which is a brilliant device. You can spec for spec, they're matching up. But when you're paying at 25 to 27,000 Rand for an equivalent 
you know, Mac, which is sitting at, I think, 18 or 19,000 for the M1 entry-level MacBox. It's a big consideration, in particular for guys that are in the contract world, the economy, that are looking for the power and flexibility, but also can't afford that particular price point. I think that yeah, you spot on it. And, and the thing that I, I really appreciated when we, when we bought the Max is they took a trade in. Yes, yes. So, you know, you know, even before the trade in, and, and I don't know why this was the case, maybe because of the, the, um, the summit with new, new products coming out, mm-hmm. but already the, the MacBook Air here, the M1 chip was cheaper than the UK. I paid a th- I would have paid a thousand pounds in the right. UK. And when I did the conversion, um, it was closer to 750. Oh. And then after I did the trade in, it brought it down to about 700 per device. Yeah. Which, you know, my, my very fancy Lenovo Windows device here was was double the price. Um, yeah. And now it's a glorified battery. <laughs> you know, so. it's an interesting, no, 100%. I think what, what people are always going to say when you get into this debate, um, and it'd be very interesting to get a, to get a Microsoft um, developer in, in a conversation like this, because they will talk about flexibility and how the Apple ecosystem is a very closed and very controlled ecosystem. Mm. You know, in some cases, that's okay. Sometimes you do need the flexibility of an open environment, depending on the work that you're doing. And then if that's the case, if that's what you're looking for, use that environment. Okay? Yeah. Um, I know for myself, I'm a, I've got an iPhone, I've got an iPad, I've obviously got my, my, my MacBook. My ecosystem works here, you know. Um, you know, for me, as soon as I put, I started using Big Sur on, on Apple with, with the M1 chip, my, my GSM calls for my device are starting to appear. I know there are apps to do that on, um, on, on Windows, but it was intuitive. It just worked. So that's the choice. That's the choice someone's always going to make is if you're going to go into the ecosystem, do it. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because that's that's that just works thing. It's exactly how I said to Heather because you know we've talked about me switching over for a while, mm-hmm. and and I was actually excited to go because I bought these on a Friday, set mm-hmm. them up over the weekend, and I was actually excited to start work on the Monday, okay. because I didn't worry about oh, you know what because what was happening with my Windows machine it was blue screening every couple minutes. Uh, well, you know, within an hour, it would probably crash twice. And you weren't doing anything fancy, you know, you're clicking somewhere. But, to, uh, you know, on your comment about the developer ecosystem, I mean, you know, I still write code every so often and I've got Visual Studio on my Mac. Mm-hmm. So, and, 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 and the other point that you make, which is, which is so true now, all your stuff is happening in the cloud. So if I'm actually going to run code, I might run it locally for a couple of minutes just to check it, but then it's been deployed into an Azure workflow. So... It, it doesn't have to live on my desktop anymore. Well, and I think that's you know that you know that's that's where I think the the, the modern the modern knowledge worker is that I think what is driving this drive to with you got obviously AWS you got Azure you got you got Google Huawei's also got their cloud um, Alibaba got a cloud everyone's got a damn cloud okay yeah. that's it's a very cloudy day okay yeah. But, but the processing power that's now available is you don't need to have these massive machines locally unless you are doing hardcore video, 4K video editing, or you, you're compiling 3D stuff for, for whatever it might be, okay? Yeah. Well, you know, the ability to, to hyperscale into a data center, or be able, sorry, let me re- re- rephrase that, the ability to use a hyperscale data center on demand yeah. is changing the way I think people are starting to work. But... It's also how organizations are choosing to work with customers. So maybe it's a good opportunity for us to segue into how I'm using the cloud. So I'll give you you 
I'm a, I'm a contractor. I've got my primary customer, which is the company I work for, AWG. Um, and then I choose to do other smaller projects, you know, after hours and on the weekends um, that doesn't interfere with my primary customer's work um, to, because I enjoy doing certain things. Okay. And, and, and one of the choices I made, Ryan, was I wanted to try to be as independent and controlling of myself and my ecosystem. So I picked certain key SaaS tools that would help me to manage that, so that I didn't have to outsource myself to, to, to third parties to do, unless absolutely necessary. So one of the great, and this, I'm, I'm saying things that everyone knows, but it's very interesting when you start experiencing it for yourself. You know, so for example, I've got to manage my books now. Yep. So I chose, I looked at, you know, you've got Sage Intact, you've got Xero, um, QuickBooks, you know, accounting and ERP solutions in the cloud are very popular at the moment. I ended up choosing QuickBooks. As yep. And it was very interesting. There was certain, uh, so I got the, the base entry level 200 range. <laughs> that for me at the time worked. Yep. Until I needed to do something else. But for me to now suddenly upgrade was literally within seconds. Yeah. And the yep. features were available. I can then do the next thing, you know. Uh, it wasn't like a whole thing. I know uh, speaking to, to guys that run ERP and accounting software, you know, you get companies that still uh, try to do a migration. The guys still have desktops underneath the desks that are managing that stuff because it's so legacy. Now, sitting up in the cloud, you literally flick a switch and boom, I've, it's access and available to me and it's going off my credit card. Okay. Yep. So that was, what, that was one really interesting thing that I looked at. Um, another interesting one, which becomes a very interesting cost debate for anyone that's doing contract work and you're trying to manage your margins as much as possible, especially if you're a knowledge worker, that's a one man band. And we're finding Ryan more and more of those. Yeah. The gig economy. Yeah. Yeah. The gig economy where people are getting to the point where they believe their skills are at a point where you don't need necessarily need the support of a big organization. You believe you can monetize your skills in a way that is, that is great. The whole side hustle thing, the whole scaling thing, well, that's a whole different debate in a, in, a, in, a, in a future podcast. But so I looked at one example. I do a lot of PowerPoint presentations for my clients. Okay. And there's always a little bit of graphics work that I need to do. Okay. Now I'm not a graphic designer. Okay. What I did, I made a choice. I said, okay, cool. Uh, the work that I need is very simple work. Let me go and get a 200 Rand course, do the course entry level to, to Adobe Illustrator, do it in my own time. Okay. And then I go and use Adobe. I go download and pay for Adobe Illustrator in the cloud. Well, even though it's obviously a local a local program, five hundred and twenty rand a month. Okay, for Adobe Illustrator. Okay. Now, what I can do now, instead of having to outsource the work that I would have done, which would have been for a graphic designer two seconds worth of work, but would have charged me an hour at six hundred rand an hour per piece yep. of work, you know, whatever it is, I can now do it myself. I've created economies of scale and margin by simply looking at what's available from an education perspective, upskilling myself, getting into the program and doing it yep. for 700 bucks. Yeah. So for me, it was a way of trying to optimize my own costs yep. with tools that are out there in the market. It's just about a matter of bridging those, those, those tools together. And, and I think on that, that point, I mean, you've upskilled yourself on, on a product, um, but not necessarily to do the complicated stuff, yeah. but to do the basic thing where you might have to build an icon or something like that. But if you still need the, the, the other stuff done, you'll still go get that, that, that graphic designer. Because I want the uh, Yeah, If I need yeah. someone to build an isometric picture and change this and change that, 
Yeah. You know, then I, absolutely, gig economy says I will go find that person. Yeah. But but my utility and the spend didn't make sense for the work that I needed to. No, and and, and then and that's what we were talking yesterday about Webex platforms. And, yeah. you know, I've got to do two webinars coming up and, and it was like, oh, I don't really want to pay for something I'm going to use for two webinars. But the actual price point, because that economy of scale is there, mm-hmm. if you actually think about it, the, the return on investment, uh, I can't remember, I think I think uh, Zoom was going to be 160 pounds for me. Yeah. Um, we only have to close one deal for it to be the no-brainer. Yeah. Uh, and that's and that's what you're targeting. Now, the other thing I wanted to sort of go on to there was, was – um, tying these things all together. And I think yeah. you set me a, a deck around um, doing that, but but it's almost the, the, the sort of growth of things like if then this, if this, then that, uh, yeah. Zapier, uh, Integro is what I'm looking at today. Uh, are you playing with that at all or are you seeing? So, so I think, so, I like, so Zapier is an amazing service. So I myself, I'm not a programmer. I'm not gonna sit and write APIs and do integrations, okay? But, but the way that the API world is evolving now and services like Zapier is that it, it allows the layman in the streets to be able to connect services in a logical way. Yeah. And I think that's so important and going to become even more important in the gig economy. So I'm going to give you another example, Ryan. So I, I found I needed, a, I needed a way because unfortunately um, I haven't quite yet solved my scaling and growing problem yet. Okay. Yeah. Openly, will admit that. Okay. It's the, the, the track of any of, of any of any company, but I needed to track my time effectively so I could see where I can optimize on the projects that would create the most amount of margin for me. Okay. Yeah. And and I found this really great service called Harvest. Okay. It's available at getharvest.com. Okay. Yeah. Little plugin. I'll manage all my projects and my tasks. I could set different rates. Um, and, and, and harvest, I've got a little plugin on my, on my Mac and I hit the clock and I've just got to be disciplined enough to hit and stop. Yeah. It's, it's intelligent enough to know that if you, the key, the keystrokes aren't going, it'll actually calculate the time and remove the time. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But what, what that did was it allowed me to start to track where my most effective use of my time versus the projects I was doing. And the deliverables ultimately going to a customer. Yeah. Uh, so I could now, in, you know, in near real time say, okay, cool. If I do a case study, I get much more volume <laughs> case study versus doing a, 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 a PDA, uh, sorry, a PowerPoint um, proposal as an example, because there's yeah. a lot of heavy lifting or whatever it might be. Okay. Yeah. What that does is allows me to manage my expectations to my clients and say, well, okay, cool. I could do this in X amount of time given my controlling of, of my time. What, what Harvest does, it's got an integration with QuickBooks. So I can actually literally do direct invoicing if I wanted to directly out of Harvest yeah. into QuickBooks, which has got an integration with an API and zap it out. Yeah. Then I have to think, well, is there a step before that? Yes, there is. You use something like Trello. You have a Trello card managing your tasks, yeah. which is linked to Harvest, tracking your hours, which is then linked to your accounting software, which is then doing the invoicing out. Um, then you can go even further than that and say, well, I'm doing a lot. I'm, I'm a very email dependent person for my sins. This is how I've always been. Yeah. You, you, can hit, you can link your emails and actions and attachments and emails to Trello, to Harvest. And now you're building an, a workflow using different tools, not in the same ecosystem, outside of the ecosystem, to help maximize the way in which you can do your work. 
Yeah. Save time because the more time you save, the more you can put into delivering to, to clients if you don't have economies of scale or a platform or whatever it might be. Zapier, what, what we found is that is a really nice glue. Yeah. It, it, glue, it, and it was very interesting. Like Harvest and QuickBooks have a direct integration already. It's available. Click of a button. Okay. Yeah. Um, so as this, this concept of the side hustle starts to gain more momentum and these great you know, theories and concepts on how to do it, what the side hustle is and all that. For, for me, the, 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 a, a great side hustle in the, in the gig economy is ensuring yeah. that, that you deliver a professionally looking service for what you're doing because you've now picked this particular opportunity. If you use the tools in the right sort of way and you can configure them in the right sort of way, you can you look like a big organization. You give your client the comfort that he's not just some fly-by-night one-man band. And, yep. and there's a psychological impact of that in the type of work that you do with 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 customers. Yeah, and I think that that, that supports what almost the charge rate that you're going to put out there because you don't look like a one-man band. When, they, when you're a one-man band, everyone psychology goes, well, I can push them for price, but they won't argue with a big organization, yeah. which is just a strange behavioral thing. Um, a couple of things I wanted to ask you about that. So did, did, you, did you, do you sit down and draw out your entire sort of end-to-end process and then kind of go, I need a tool for this, I need a tool for this, and then yeah. and join them together? Or is it more a, well, I needed to track my time so I could invoice a client. So you went and looked for something, then you did that. And then over time, you're like, oh, um, it would be great that these things talk to each other. Oh, shit, they do. Because um, I find like personally that I get, sometimes I get caught up in the analysis paralysis of which tools should I use? And you start getting into like what all the capabilities are and you actually don't pick a tool. Um, you burn more time looking at what's possible. So, so Ryan, definitely the, uh, the the latter. It was as yeah. I was, as I was doing I'm a firm believer of you only truly know something until you're actually doing it. Okay. So yep. it's a good, there's a good part for the theory. Okay. But you can't get into that. You just become the only thing to the point of you just don't get anything else. Okay. Yeah. So what I did was as I was doing projects, I was thinking I needed to, as a problem arise, I try to find a solution to that problem. My, my first problem was, okay, cool. How do I, how do I manage my time? And there's yep. a lot, Again, there's a ton of tools out there, a ton of them. Harvest was just a nice, simple tool that did the job. Mm-hmm. It does a job and it does a job very, very well. Okay. And I quite like tools like that. Okay, cool. So I picked Harvest for that. Okay. Even before Harvest, it was a big choice to make. Now, am I a Googler or am I a Microsofter? Okay. Yeah. And yeah. And I, I actually chose the, 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 the Google ecosystem over the Microsoft ecosystem, even though I actually run both. So Microsoft yeah. uh, Office 365 is my secondary ecosystem because I do have clients that require work within OneDrive. And OneDrive is an immensely powerful tool, okay, especially when you link it to the Office suite, okay? Um, but I, I chose Google because I could manage my email, I can manage my documents, I do find in my own experience that Google Drive is a, is a better product than OneDrive. I just find on Mac, it behaves a bit better. It's a bit easier to manage. Yeah, I find the same with, with, with Dropbox. Yeah, and another really good service, you know. Um, so, so I chose the Google ecosystem because then I can manage my domains. I can do everything, you know. Everything was just it was really like within minutes. I was clicking mm. going. I had registered my company domain and absorbed it into, into Google Mail for like seven or eight dollars a month and I've got business email. Yep. I mean 
phenomenal, like seven dollars, eight dollars, whatever it is. Um, yeah. Then, then I was like, okay, cool. So now I've got my email sorted. I'm now communicating. Okay, cool. Google's got meets. It's got all that sort of good stuff. Good. I'm, I'm, I'm active. Okay. Now I need to track my time. Didn't see it in Google. I went and found a tool and that's where Harvest came in. Okay. Yeah. Now I was working. Now I was actually doing work. I was actually doing little projects because I wanted to see where I could create efficiencies. Then, then I was like, okay, cool. Now I need to solve the invoicing issue. That's where QuickBooks come in. I, I sort of, I started with zero and then my accountant is like, yeah, oh, let's try QuickBooks. Great, great service. I'm happy with QuickBooks. Okay. Um, then I was like, okay, cool. If I'm running too many projects, I need to keep an order of these projects. That's where Trello sort of became a, an option to, to be able to look at yeah. as, as an example. So to, to come back to your point, it was definitely a growing thing based on what the type of work that I'm doing. And I think as a gig economy worker, I think that is so incredibly important. Just because something works for you, Ryan, doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work for me. And I think that's where a lot of uh, fun in my experience talking to contractors, they sometimes fail. There's a, uh, you know, tell me what I need to do. I think sometimes you need to experience it and do it and customize it in a way that gets the best possible productivity and output from the work that you're doing. Yeah. And I, I find that to be particularly important. And, and it's so. So I've gone through the Trello experience, and I moved away from Trello just to give you, you know, to build yeah. a point. And I've ended up with Notion. Now I ended up with Notion prior to it having APIs. They've just started rolling that out now. Yeah. Um, but one of the tools that I used for years and years and years was Evernote, just yeah. all my notes and stuff. Yeah. And I just found the the frustration of opening up the book to do something. It was so slow, and mm. and and also. It got so, so unwieldy so quickly. So so having Notion has been a bit better. But I actually now mix between um, Notion, which is basically my operational brain, because mm-hmm. um, you can create relationships with things, and, and I quite like that. And then you can do tasks, and you can do, you know, if I assign something to you, you'll get an email knowing that you have to do it, that kind of stuff. Then I use something called Drafts which is great. It's a great tool if you want to write text very quickly. Oh. So, you, so you're standing in a queue and you're like, oh, let me write down that idea. Uh-huh. You hit you, you open drafts, draft takes you straight into to a, with a cursor and you just start typing. Um, but that then has to be inject, you know, you've got to take it from drafts and put it somewhere else. Now there, there's quite a strong platform in there for automation, which I haven't explored, but yeah. you know, it's very, it's very good for those sorts of things. Um, and then I still use Apple notes and, I've, and I'm starting to use Apple notes more and more since they've been improving it because that's a nice place to scribble something, a nice place to type and draw yeah. and you can PDF that and then take that in somewhere else. Yeah. So you, you, I, I'm fascinated to, to, to hear on having you obviously come from the workflow environment. Okay. Yeah. And, and I, I, again, I say, I don't think you get a one size fits all workflow. Um, but it's very interesting. I think there, is, there remains an opportunity that I don't think, I think workflow is not the domain of big organizations anymore. Mm. Uh, that, that ability to be able to stitch a workflow together based on my needs. Yeah. I think is a, is a massive opportunity where um, companies that are understanding that link and, and the products that are available um, can definitely add value to this gig economy contractor, man, one man band type, type, type things. I mean, I don't know what your views on that are. Yeah, so so I, I really believe in personal automation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, mm-hmm. and one of the reasons that I also went the the Apple route 
is I listen to another podcast called um, Automators, and they they talk a lot about workflow automation, and and it's the silly things like, like for example, we're going to have this this episode now. It's gonna it's being recorded by Teams. Teams are automatically dropped dropped this down into OneDrive. But then on my laptop now is Hazel, which is a Mac only product that picks up that file, moves it to another file in Dropbox, renames it, which was wasting my time. It was costing me you know five minutes. It was, it was so it was costing the five minutes for me to do it, but also the remembering to do it. Mm-hmm. And often I often I do the do the call and I'd leave and then I'd be like, oh geez, I haven't put that in the folder for Heather. So now I have to do when I get home. I have to do it. So that the, the 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 context switching and the cognitive load is mm-hmm. where the real value is. So Hazel does that piece. When Heather's done the um, the audio and she's and she's finished it, she puts it in in a finalized folder. That also gets picked up by Hazel and puts that into my transcribing service folder which is also in dropbox and that automatically transcribes it the first time which means by the time i look at it i'm really doing the fine tuning piece so that 80 percent of grunt work has been automated away so so going back to my point around personal automation i think every every worker has to understand what their workflows are the things that get as you say get work done Mm. and look for ways to to remove the mundane so they can actually do the brain work so mm. sort of the noise work versus the brain work mm. because by getting back those five minutes and the cognitive load you know i'm already looking at the next automation and the next automation and the next automation and this is where i started looking at all the different cloud services so stupid things like um i say stupid but i get a, a text every morning um to what the weather's going to be like mm. uh, I've, I've worked on that in the uk because the uk is very specific for this kind of stuff it recommends what clothing to wear do you need a jacket or not? Uh, you're laughing at me. No, I've got a question. No, but right. You know, I'm sorry to thought, but this is yeah. such a fascinating thing. So do you know why Bill, um, why Steve Jobs and Mark Zuckerberg always have the mm. same clothes on? Yeah. One less decision they have to make in the day. Well, well exactly. And, and I think that talks to your point 100%. As knowledge workers, we are information overload. It's just it, – it's a – exponential levels now compared to when your parents and my parents were working. You know, my father uh, started his career in 1963, ended it in close to 2000, okay? Still yep. the most impeccable handwriting because you'd have to write letters to people. Yeah, yeah. An art that is sadly being lost completely in the digital age, different discussion. Um, but they didn't have the same sort of information overload that we as knowledge workers are working now where we've got this influx of information. More information means more decisions. A decision, choosing to ignore something is still a decision that we have to make. Yep. yep. And, and being able to reduce, I think that's a very interesting point that you make, that reduction in noise versus knowledge yep. to make more effective decisions or less, less decisions but more effective ones is where I think you see a lot of knowledge workers that are succeeding. That's what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I mean, as you're saying, I was thinking about one of my other examples. So, so I've moved away from reading physical books mm. completely now. And one of the reasons for that is if I take notes on a book, um, typically that would go into Notion, mm. but then it's not been regurgitated to me. I have to go look for the notes. So mm. I signed up with a service called Readwise. And what that does is ingests your notes out of Kindle and a few other ones. And then it every day sends you a reminder of the note you took from this book. So like if, you know, I read one of my favorite books is Sprint and, and there's sections I've highlighted. So it'll remind me, you, you highlighted the section. But then also in reminding me about that, it'll say, if you like this book, you might like this book. 
So, so you're constantly getting fed, the, the, as to your point, reduced information, but enough that triggers what you were thinking or reminds you of something. Or, and, and I think that's where automation really helps you. Yeah. Can can be helpful. And, and, but at the same time, also becomes a, you know, with great power comes, comes great responsibility. And yeah. if you look at something like the Amazon empire, which, I mean, you, we, we can all you know, take our hats off to, to, to Jeff Bezos and what he's built with, with Amazon. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Online bookstore and is now the world's biggest cloud infrastructure provider. Craziness. Yeah. Right? yeah. But started by a bunch of South Africans, I might add. But that's really? I didn't know that. Down in Cape Town, dude. The, the, initial, the initial POCs for EC2 are all done in Cape Town. Huh. That's why it's still got quite a big team still in Cape Town. Oh, okay. Well, I wondered why he was building a new building in Cape Town. Yeah, no, there's a there's a massive historical link with with, with AWS in, in South Africa because of this. So African engineers, man. Um, but you know, if you look at the the power of Amazon for me is it's it's in its recommendation engine. That AI running in the background to understand when someone the likes of someone, the contextual understanding that Ryan is reading sprints, making mm-hmm. notes, is is going to open up a very interesting way in how people are managing that data. Because yeah. it goes down to e-commerce play. Yeah. Now, ah, suddenly you're getting a contextual email saying, oh, you might like this book, which you not, might not have normally got before, and you're clicking purchase. Yeah, yeah. Although you say that Amazon still hasn't figured out that when I've actually finished reading the book, not to recommend it to me again. Okay, uh, that's interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, someone was telling me that oh, Amazon's so great, they always recommend the, the yeah. great products. I'm like, yeah, they always recommend products I've already bought. So I'm not sure how good that is. <laughs> well, you know, the, the psychology of that could be, do you want to recommend it to buy it for a friend? Uh, maybe. Maybe. I just think their search is broken. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I think I love your, 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 the notion of this sort of personal automation. Yeah. I think where, I think where there's a, an opportunity is for guys that don't necessarily know that and understand the world of workflow, how do they start? Mm. How, do you, how do you get out the blocks and say, Okay, cool. I need to do this. I need to bring this together. And I think there's a there's, there's a very interesting opportunity there as the sort of gig economy starts to really and it's big now. I mean, it's already big now, uh, but it's growing. It's growing exponentially as as more people start to realize their own internal skills, skills yep. that normally have been forgotten about in an organization that are now to come to come to the fore. Uh, I, I think what's more I think even more powerful now, given the, the the way the world has had to adapt and evolve around COVID, and I really don't want to turn this into a COVID conversation because I think we're all bored of that. Okay. Yeah. But 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 COVID debunked this notion that you have to be in an office to do your job. Yeah. Like if there was a use case that was going to do it, COVID did that use case, and I'm I, I really I take my hat off to the. Well, I, my sympathies go to the property commercial property guys because I think that's going to be tough times ahead, but. Well, I mean, there's the opportunity to pivot because um, because the biggest thing we miss being all remote and distributed is the is the brainstorming collaboration work. Mm-hmm. And, and and a lot of these, I mean, I found this in, in the bank specifically, a lot of these people, you had to be in the office nine to five, but you were still on the calls all day long with people in the same building as you. Yeah. And no one actually sat in the meeting room because that was too much effort mm. to go and find a meeting room. And, and you could do more calls because you didn't have to go find a meeting room. Mm. But if you turn it into a more collaborative space, I think the commercial guys will come come right. Um, and I still think there are some 
there is some need to be in the office, you know, two, three days a week. And I think this is where it's going to be interesting for organizations. So we, we obviously got this theme of the of the of the contractor and you know knowledge worker one man band. I think what's going to happen now is more organizations globally, they're, they're going to be hybrid models. They're going to be hybrid working models. That's just Definitely. the reality based on yeah. industry. Okay. And those use cases are coming out now. I think there's going to be the swap in of the, we've got our core resources that have got a specific function. And then as we need skills, we're going to pull off the deck. And yeah. And what's going to be very interesting is how the knowledge worker, the, the gig economy worker, adapts to the environment of a and the environment to them. Yeah. And I think cloud makes plays such an important role that with the type of services that are happening now. I, I said a little bit earlier. Technically speaking, I'm actually de- I'm I'm not even hardware dependent anymore. I'm browser dependent. Mm. Yeah. Um, I'm a Chrome user. I yeah. find even though it will suck memory, like there's no tomorrow. Um, I, I find that literally, if I, as long as I can gain access to my to Chrome, yeah, I have access to all my work. I mean, so, so, so a little tip there, switch to Brave. To Brave, what's Brave? Brave is a Chromium browser. Yeah, yeah. So it's based on the engine, but very pri- privacy focused. Oh, really? And, and I found, because when I, t- when I was running the, the Mac for the first couple of weeks, I kept wondering like, why is everything so slow? Yeah. And then I so I tried a different Chromium browser, which was that great generate one, which where they give you money for um, seeing the adverts, yeah. and it, and it got worse. And then I happened to hear a podcast about Brave again. I was like, oh, let me try Brave. And since I've been running Brave and Safari, both of the, and and this is the key, the the Chrome browser and the um, generate browser aren't built for the M1 chip. Ah, it's still running into it's running through Rosetta Stone and being transcoded. Exactly. And and the Brave one has got an M1 chip version mm-hmm. and all my stuff's there. So I was like, yeah, I'll just use Brave. And you get and you get um uh cryptocurrency while you <laughs> while you're browsing. So that, that also helps. <laughs> no, it's it's fascinating. I think and this is this is what's creating I think this is exactly what's driving this gig economy now. We are not Beholden to the place where I mean, I'm, I happen to be working at home today. I've got a little office that I go to because I've got a little office that I go to. Okay, that's my choice. Okay. Yep. But I, as productive as I am here, as I am at that little office, there's no difference. Okay. Um, I'm just fortunate that my wife brings me a cup of tea every so often and I don't get that at the office, <laughs> <laughs> which is cool. Um, but this is what's feeding this change and, and the way we are having to adapt. So, you know, as your audience might not know this. I mean, obviously Ryan's a, a young parent. He's got he's got a three-year-old and a almost one-year-old. I'm in the same boat. I've got a three-year-old and a one-year-old. And anyone that knows kids of that age, we are firmly in the trenches. Yeah. Like we're taking hang grenades hard. Okay. <laughs> and suicide hour between five and seven is quite literally that. The way in which I'm able now to structure my life can accommodate that. Yeah. Like where we know previously my previous um, work, I, I had to work at, a, I was working at, uh, at my, my head office was about 45 kilometers away from my house, about an hour and hour to an hour and a half in traffic in the car. Okay. And, and I'd have to, uh, I mean, I lost so much time driving so much time. Okay. And we all used to that and that sort of thing. When, when COVID hits, I was buying three, almost three hours a day in productivity, but more importantly, when my day ended at five o'clock with my last meeting, which was a choice I made, that's what I was working, even though I was available after that. Between five and eight is is, is suicide three hours, okay? Yeah. 
which which being a knowledge worker, digitally connected worker, allowed me to be able to do. My, my wife wasn't then left to have to try to sort it out, which has unfortunately been the reality for, for many stay-at-home parents, both male and female, mm. uh, who are often left to, 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 to have to fend for youngsters while the breadwinner, he or she is busy earning money. I find that I've got I'm getting a little bit more time with 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 my kids because of that. Okay, yep. I don't have the same sort of experiences, right? Yeah, totally. I mean, it, it, so so I went through a few phases. Um, so the first phase, we're still back in the UK. Um, why not? So so exactly that. I mean, I saved. Uh, so we moved from from being just outside London to be way outside London. So my sort of hour commute became an hour and a half commute. Not that I ever did the long commute, because when I moved into we moved into our new house, um, that's when the lockdown started. Mm-hmm. But you know, gaining back the the three hours, as you say, uh, the first phase was I thought, oh, I've got all this time, I must do more stuff. Mm-hmm. So I, I worked longer. I, I worked on my book. I studied courses, you know, whatever. And then I've realized that I was just burning out. Like the gray area happened. That time. That yeah. yeah. And also I found, um, because, because my son is, um, it was in nursery. Um, you know, he, he was, uh, you know, taken to nursery in that, but because I was burning out, I was I wasn't getting good time with him either. So you know, putting some boundaries, but more health focused too. So instead of doing you know yeah. two extra hours of work, I'd be like you know what, I'm going to go for, go for a walk every every day for an hour. And we did that because we had that one hour of fitness. Um, and the mornings became gym first. Well, in the South African house, gym first. Then I do a bit of work. Then I go for a walk and then whatever. So so a much more balanced experience. When we were in the UK, I was walking a lot anyway because of commuting to the office and all yeah. that stuff. Um, the other thing that, and exactly your thing about support and, and supporting your family. So, so I've seen a couple things where people say, oh, but you know, I do, I now do the washing. I do housework when I should be working, et cetera. And there's almost like a guilt, like you should be working all the time. I, I feel that too. And yeah, we're lucky in South Africa. You can have a, you can have a domestic work five days a week and it's not, not too, you know, it's not exorbitant expensive like it is in the UK. But what I have found is it's, you, you, those chores that you'd almost spend your whole weekend doing, you can mix them in your day mm. whilst you're still working. And, and like you, I, you know, I have the five to seven fun. Um, and then once my son's asleep, if there's still something to do, I can go up to my study. I could work two hours. You know, I've still work a 10 hour day, 12 hour day, but I've done so much in that day. Yeah. Whereas you, that exact point that you made about, about losing time commuting. Okay. I would listen to podcasts. I read a book. I, I work on stuff. But, but I still feel like, uh, and, and you do need those spaces between home and work. So that's the one trick that yeah. I think we all need to, to find a solution for, or like going for a walk at the end of the day at five o'clock to end your day. Um, but, you know, all, all, all intents and purposes, I'm a much happier person now that I'm not commuting 15 hours a week. No, completely. You know, and, and I think this is so yeah, uh, anecdotally. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of the same in the morning in my exercise as well. You know, I'm a, I'm a cyclist, which, which takes a little bit more time than, say, running, you know? Yeah. I have the choice, of, granted, not during winter because it's super cold, but, um, you know, to, to be able to cycle in the morning, plus I can cycle on my, on my smart trainer if I really wanted to and do calls. I mean, I've done, <laughs> and I'll switch the video off. I've actually done conference calls where I'm not the active participant in the conference call. I've actually been on my bike. 
pedaling mm. so there, I'll just make sure that the when I'm going up a hill, I'll switch off the volume. It becomes a very awkward sound. <laughs> but anyway, but you, you find ways to be more productive, to make better utilization of the time that we have. It's the one resource that is finite. Yeah. Yeah, and we've got to, and I think in, the, in in today's economy, the modern digital economy, we have to find if we can't find, if you can't solve the scaling issue, okay, yeah. which we have to, any business has to has to solve the scaling issue. You've got to find ways to better optimize your time now. Well, well I'm going to argue. I'm going to argue about the finite resource thing. So it's, it's not just time; it's energy as well. Yeah, yeah. You can't be 100% all day long. You have to take the breaks. And, you know, I've, I've had a person who went into, who had COVID, had to go to ICU, and she was trying to work before she went off. And I kept saying, just rest. The work's always going to be there. Rest. Yeah. And, and, we, and we, we convince ourselves that if, we, if we're not doing the work, you know, it's, it's life and death. Yeah. And, and, and often, you know, in our roles, often it's not. You know, obviously there are roles, but it is life and death. But yeah, no, absolutely. I think you no. Know, someone actually said this to me, and I found it to be a very interesting little tip um, for 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 guys that are. I mean, we're year and a bit into sort of lockdown around the world and working from home. You know, we've, it's almost become the norm now. What some people are doing, which I found fascinating, is we are geared from when we are kids that we've got a routine. We are human beings thrive in routine, and our yep. routines: get up, get dressed, have breakfast, <laughs> get ready for school, go to school, yeah, high school university, work. It's the same routine for 30 years, okay? This thing broke that routine. And, and what I'm, I'm seeing a lot of people having, having done is they still get dressed for, a, for work as if they're getting going to work. The psychology of I'm in the mindset at that particular point in time is, is it's helped a lot of people. That's the first thing, okay? The second thing, this is a very, you're going to laugh at me for this one. I know guys that what they will do is get in their, get dressed, get in their car, drive around the block and then get home. I'm raising my hand because I did that. No, and it, it, it's a psychology. It gets you in the mindset, okay? Because you know at five o'clock, you're going to get in your car, drive around the block as silly as it might look. But when you get home, you're home. Yeah. You know, one of my things my wife um, and I argue quite a bit on, she feels that I'm way too attached to my phone. <laughs> yeah, and I'll take that one. You know that I'm not present, and I think as with something that I work very, very hard on, that I need to disconnect. You know, you don't have to answer at WhatsApp this minute. Yes, you can answer it in ten minutes, but be there, be present, be in the moment. Um, yeah, we have the same problem, but then again, we we are very similar. Um, and and you know, my my sort of solution to that has been as much as it irritates my wife as well, is my phone sits in my study um, from five o'clock yeah. uh, until the next morning. And she says, yeah, but what happens if I need to call you and I'm out? Well, it's it's always an emergency. I said, look, if it's an emergency, I doubt there's much I'm gonna do at three o'clock in the morning for, for anyone. Yeah. And if and if it is an emergency, it's gonna ring. hundred times, yeah. You know, in the study, I'll have to, I'll hear it and it'll wake everyone up anyway. So, you know, it just, it just creates that, that connection break. Um, that's not to say I don't have my, my iPad with me or something like that, but okay. but things like WhatsApp are very easy to draw you in because it is an, it's 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 an instant messenger conversation. You want to be part of the conversation. You want to make the chirps or yeah. whatever it is. Um, there was something else I wanted to ask you. So so you mentioned that you work at home and you work in an office. Have you duplicated your setup in in both places? So very interesting. The cloud has allowed me not to do that and if that makes yeah. any sense obviously i've got a, i've got a mobile desktop so i've got i've got my laptop yeah. my my bag and my and i'm an office in a bag so what i have at home gets goes in my bag and goes to the office and comes home okay. yeah 
So what, what I've done is, uh, much like you, Ryan, we've got the standing desk. So I've got a standing desk at, with a screen at work. Yeah. I've got my Mac. I've got my connectors. I've got all my cables. I've figured out what works for me. I'll bring my iPad because we dual screen on the iPad, all that good stuff. And when I set up, it takes me about five or 10 minutes to set up and I'm set up. Okay, and I'm going. Um, one of the things I've played around with, which I think will be a overkill, is actually having like a sort of a, a, a Mac mini at the office and having my laptop at home. Mm. And so it's the point of having a, a, a laptop. Um, it's the same chipset. It's the same power. And guess what? I'm, I'm still going through the browser. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think the big, the, the big thing for me, I haven't had to duplicate. Yeah. I've set myself up that I've got my office in a bag. I've got everything yeah. I need to be productive, including my wireless keyboard and, and all that good stuff. The browser, however, if I'm not in front, if I'm out and I'm not at my laptop, because I've got access to the browser, I can get to my work regardless yep. of where I am. The nature of why cloud is set up, I am always on duplication. How's that for a nice term for today? Always on availability and duplication of my work. Yeah. No, you're spot on. I mean, there's, you know, Barring the odd little things like, you know, trying to do something on a server through a, a, a you know, a virtual connection or, or RDP at least, or um, some some apps don't allow you the functionality to do something on the phone. You have to get it onto a browser. Yeah. Most things you could do with your phone if you need to, yeah. um, which brings you back to an integrated lifestyle where you can go and do something with your kids. And if someone calls you and there's an emergency, you can say, look, I can reset a password. I can approve that expense claim. I can yeah. whatever it is. Um, yeah. At least until I get back to a browser. Well, so this is another interesting, interesting discussion. You know, you know what's urgent and what's important, and, mm. uh, and this is this is I think plaguing a lot of modern, a lot of you know the gig economy because we're so easily connected. We, the urgency level is now there, and as human beings, we always got this instant gratification. And as a knowledge worker, gratification means I've achieved the work or I've done the thing, I've delivered the thing, or the person receiving it has got what they've needed. As good or bad as that is, and that's a whole different debate. Yeah. It goes back to the balance. I think the balance of that is so important. Um, and I think with, with anyone that's getting into this sort of gig economy, setting the parameters for your contract, your the, the people you're working with is so important, Ryan. Um, yeah. I know, for example, in my in in with one of my with one of my um one of my small customer um, that I do weekend work with, I literally say it's stipulated in our in 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 in, in our agreement. Um, during the week, I'm not available. I've got yeah. my primary customer, which is my primary employer, and they're the ones I service during the week. Yeah. If you want my services, I'm available in evenings and on the weekends. Stipulated. These clear boundaries that are created to allow me to be able to accommodate that particular that that particular piece of work. And I think mm. it also goes through to availability. Yeah. We we are we are not robots. And see yeah. there are knowledge workers on quite literally machines. I think the human body is being pressed and the brain now is being pressed so hard that we're exceeding what we we, we thought was capable. But burnout is a real reality for for knowledge workers. And too often, and I've, I've been fortunate to touch with it, so it's, I don't think it's a matter of if rather than when. I haven't suffered from burnout. But from the from people that I've spoken to that have, often it's you fall off the cliff before you realize it's happened. Yeah, yeah, I do say. 
And, uh, and going back to your point on personal automation, I think that is such a critical importance of when you're setting up how you want your little ecosystem to work, um, that you set those physical boundaries when I'm available, when I'm not. Mm-hmm. It's not a choice, and everything is a choice, to set notifications when you're alerted of an update. Don't yeah. have to set a notification. Yeah. Yeah. You choose to set the notification, which means you are actively prompting the device or software to tell you um, something's happening. Yeah. You can set WhatsApp to be muted and you can read your messages, you know, later. Well, it's, it's funny you say that I was with a friend of ours who's on one of our groups and he said, we are on Sunday and he said to me, I'm so sorry. I haven't been on the, I haven't been replying to the group. I've been so busy. And I was like, dude, it's, it's not a requirement to, to, to reply to the messages. You know, you're included your choice but but you know it's like but society mm. goes back to that instant gratification being acknowledged we want to be acknowledged you know you can always always spot the guys it's so interesting whatsapp groups you know and it's the same with work groups it's the same psychology yeah. you, know? you always find the ones that are the most active like replying straight away that's their way of doing things or the ones that are looking for a response because they've sent a funny mean or or an attachment of work done um We've got to choose how we, what is our personality and how we want to work and accommodate our ecosystem, our little micro ecosystem to accommodate that, that particular way of working. Yeah. I mean, one question I had for you, which probably maybe our last one will tie up is um, when you, when you estimate your work, do you, even though you're tracking your, it by the time, by the hours, do you actually quote in hours or do you quote for a service price? Both. Okay. So it depends yeah. on the. Yeah. It depends. Um, as as I'm getting better, okay, so for me, pricing is such a, oh, it's a, it's a minefield. What is someone willing to pay? Always becomes yep. the, the, the discussion point. Um, and you've got, to, you've got to get trust in your customer that, that regardless if it took you one hour or 10 hours, they're happy with the work that's being delivered, regardless of what the fee is. Yeah. And, and the only way you find that balance is by data, understanding how much I'm spending, when am I spending it, and how do I optimize? And then focusing on those particular products. Mm. If someone's happy with your work, they're not going to question how you got there. Yeah. What's the, what the one experience that I have I have noticed? The second thing is, is transparency. Yeah. Uh, and I think an, an open and clear communication with the team that you're working with on what your utilization is, what you're doing, is, is very important, Okay. You know, if you want to, if you want to milk it on a once-off gig, that's your business. If you want long-term, if you want long-term business, you you need to have that level of of transparency. I think is is critically mm-hmm. important. It is a balance. It it is a balance between that. Um, the guys that do really well, the guys can get margins out of easily repeatable work that delivers value to the person receiving it. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Great. So so where can people get hold of you, John, if they want to get in contact? Um, so you can certainly go to my website, which is magnified.biz or john at magnified.biz. Uh, very, very easy. Just go to my website or you can drop me a mail. Um, yeah, happy to, happy to chat. If anyone wants to chat, um, happy to, happy to engage. Super. Great. Thanks, John. It was great to have you on. Thanks, Ron. Thanks for, thanks for the opportunity. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Heather Bicknell is our producer and editor. Thank you, Heather, for your hard work on this episode. Please subscribe to the series and rate us on iTunes or the Google Play Store. Follow us on Twitter at the DWW Podcast. 
The show notes and transcripts will be available on the website, www.digitalworkspace.works. Please also visit our website, www.digitalworkspace.works, and subscribe to our newsletter. And lastly, if you found this episode useful, please share with your friends or colleagues.